0: couple sparkling waters with caffeine you're good to go but i think buble makes them now and rockstar was also pepsi so
1: gotcha well i thought maybe i could cut off my coffee addiction by switching to that you can maybe
0: because that's how i stepped down from monster zeros was by going to the waters the rockstar waters
1: i love the waters they are oddly expensive right yeah I think they're too much, especially
0: you know you go to the gas or not the the grocery store. they're still five bucks for a twelve pack of like all well, of them.
1: Well, the the uh, <clears throat> the LaCroix, I think it's Walgreens. They have a good gambit going. Because they sell the 8-pack. No, they sell a 6-pack. Is it a 6-pack yes. for as much as the 12? Yep. But I think when you grab it, you don't really realize it. I had never seen a 6-pack of LaCroix before yesterday yeah. when I went yeah. to
0: Walgreens. and se- But I did buy an 8-pack of uh, <coughs> Pellegrino cans. Mm. Those were great, too. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You seem to like the bubbly. I love bubbly. Mm. Uh,
1: I love LaCroix. I love bubbly. And I love... Uh, Waterloo, Waterloo. Waterloo. Is it I've noticed with the Lacroix, the only one I really like is the passion fruit. Passion fruit, huh? I think it, yeah, passion fruit. Well,
0: I think they got a hell of a
1: grapefruit. That pamplemousse. You sauce. like the grapefruit? Oh, uh, that's my
0: favorite flavor of any one. I water. don't know if I've tried Is it tart? Uh, have you ever had the pamplemousse Lacroix? Yes, that's the grapefruit. Is it? Mhm.
1: Okay. All right. I God damn, it. my grandpa has Tarnish my entire existence with grapefruit because he used to sit and eat it like it was a fucking bowl of Cheerios and I think I tasted it once and it burnt my mouth and mm-hmm. I just it's never been the same since. yeah it's kid. not for kids no <laughs> Your grapefruit's not for kids how is like if you're that old why is a grapefruit Like your snack. Because he was from the fucking Dust Bowl. (laughs) They they had to eat dirt cookies. (laughs) It's just like, He's like, this is
0: the sweetest, juiciest thing I've ever had, and it tastes like a sweat sock.
1: Literally cut it in half, have two of them. He's scooping that bad boy out like it's Captain Crunch. It's just... And then he'd put his cigarettes out in it. It was the whole trifecta.
0: Biodegradable. great
1: Grapefruit and a cigarette. That's the breakfast of champions right there.
0: Hey, I got a dirty secret. I love grapefruits. (laughs) Mm. I'll eat them like that too. That's good stuff. Well,
1: well, you are kind of an old soul. A little bit. Honestly, you kind of are. You have that that, that spirit about you.
0: Uh, I think it's because I used to like whiskey too. Mm. So maybe that's why.
1: Mm. But I don't know. I have no idea. I want to know one thing quick before we get in here. Um... Do Japanese whiskeys? Is that just a mm. hipster thing, or do oh. they taste different? Holy shit! They have taste you different. have you not had a I've never had
0: one? You should get Suntory. You should get some Suntory whiskey. Okay. You oh my gosh! It's like they they took American <laughs> whiskey and they doubled it. See
1: <laughs> see, I think I told the story on this podcast before about when we were looking at houses that Weeb House. Had like a whole shelf of Japanese whiskey, and I thought he was just doing it because he's a weeb, and I didn't and really that, know yeah. if it's why not. T- I didn't know if it tastes different. Oh, it tastes real good. Mm. It's so smooth, they- and probably also because he's a weeb. <laughs> I knew you said there was what America booze or whatever Freedom booze, Freea booze, Freea booze. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, mm-hmm. some of the Japanese people are like, oh, we gotta be like them you know hillbillies in Kentucky and get that whiskey. They get
0: Coors Light <laughs> and Jack Daniels, or Southern Comfort, <laughs> and they hit their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumble Butt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My mm. name is Adam. Quick update on Jody: She is back home now after her successful mastectomy. Hell yeah. Uh, titless and alone.
1: Okay. But Inter- she's
0: not alone. She's that she's my dad's there too.
1: She she's there. She has all the collective energy from Blah Blah podcast. Oh. She has your family. Yep, got You're it good through. To
0: go. Oh, so good. And we had a cavalcade of visitors yesterday. All oh, my yeah. brothers were there. It was good stuff. Oh, yeah. So, next up on the docket is Cody. Hello Cody. How oh, are you?
1: Hello Adam. Um, it was a busy week. You know, work works a busy podcasting stuff kept me busy. Hmm. And I got to enjoy a few hours of Resident Evil Village mm. last night, so I am satisfied. I Listen
0: uh, to Between the Bumbles this yep, week to yep. find out Cody's goddamn <laughs> woeful tale of Rezzy.
1: Honestly, though, if anybody out there's played it, message me personally. I want to hear your impressions of it. Mm. No spoilers, though, okay? I'm mm. not that far yet.
0: Mm. I'll get there. And old Uncle Adam, I may sound a little different from time to time mm. here, and that's because I got a big old infection in my big old mm. number 30 tooth. So... <laughs> I'm dealing with it. I got antibiotics. I got ibuprofen. My stomach's gurgling like it's going out of style. But mm. uh, uh, I'm well, excited for fucking Joey, Joey Lister too because okay. this is my favorite series.
1: Before we get in here, did because we're talking about old-time medicine, I see a lot of pictures. You know, they have those cute drawings at dentist's office mm. where they wrap their head in a bandage. Mm. Have you tried that? Does it help? Yeah, no, I haven't,
0: but, yeah, I never understood what that was
1: for, They really. <laughs> don't either. Yeah. They they're... just put the bandage around the... Maybe to shut the kid up, I don't know. I guess, know. yeah, they, they always have
0: a swollen face and, and their head's all mm. bandaged closed. Little ice packs,
1: mm-hmm. you know, on there.
0: I have tried heat pack and ice pack. Mm. I've tried both. They they help. I just like to have something on there, you know? I think you just need a hammer and chisel. Uh, ice honestly. skate and a rock, yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, a little bit into this episode... There might be a gentleman who will be able to help you out once you hear what he does. so
0: Wonderful, great. <laughs> I'm sure I'll throw up and have a sore tooth then. All right, Cody, why don't you
1: fucking take it away? Picking up where we left off last week, Joseph Lister had just successfully st- saved... The stabbed housewife Julia Sullivan, and as a cherry on top, he played a pivotal role in sending her husband to Australia. Right, she was the one that had a quarter inch gash Mm. and eight inches of guts with a little spaghetti sticking Uh, out of (laughs) it. Being that Joseph was still under the tutelage of Erickson. He would continue to spend his time observing Erickson performing surgeries in the operating theater, soaking up all the information he possibly could.
0: And like a good squire, he understands that Erickson's too stuck in his own Mm. ways to be able to evolve much further, so he has (laughs) taken in all he can from him while also figuring out what he's going to do when he's the master.
1: Look, Joseph, whatever we think about Erickson... Uh, He he has a lot of really good mentors, uh, and we're going to learn about a bunch from here. But uh, one day while in the operating theater, Erickson may have inadvertently taught Joseph an important lesson about using his improvation skills. This particular day, a young woman was set to come in to the operating theater because of an acute disease of the thorax. Erickson would begin the operation by cutting into a section of the soft flesh on the woman's throat. Mm -hmm. This caused dark, putrid blood to Mm -hmm. come rushing out of the cut, but it was too much blood and Erickson knew it was going to start cutting off oxygen to the woman's air passage. So he continued to cut deeper and deeper (laughs) into the carcoid cartilage, but... It was already too late. A large amount of fluid had begun to fill her lungs. Imagine everybody can feel that cartilage in your throat cutting into that bad boy. Holy shit. And then you start drowning on your own blood. Uh. The woman's pulse began to slow, and if you were in attendance in the theater, you would be able to hear a whistling noise of air just barely escaping from her wound. Erickson decided... He was going to have to improvise a little bit. He decided the only course of action was to put his Uh, lips over the wound. And he started sucking all of the blood and Uh, mucus uh, uh, that was blocking uh, off her air passage. You're such a cunt. You're (laughs) such a piece of shit. This was enough to do the trick. And he had successfully removed all of the debris that was blocking her air passages. Well, God damn it. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to get in there. You got to siphon that shit out of there. (laughs) Just like a gas tank. Get in there and suck that shit Uh, out of Oh, Erickson loved stealing gas and he Uh, loved sucking mucus blood. I don't think there's a surgeon in the world that would do this anymore. Well, that's because they don't care enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's the problem. They've lost the ability to care anymore. Oh, all, how did he not get sick from having that shit in his mouth, honestly? How did he not get sick from any fucking number of things these <laughs> savages were doing? But against all odds, the woman would survive. Oh. It was when Joseph was training with Erickson that he really started to notice a common theme with the patients that were coming into the hospital. They were the poor and dro- downtrodden citizens of London and oftentimes were victims of poor working conditions, right. and Lister found himself becoming empathetic towards their plight. Well, last week we said that's basically all England was, mm. right? Oh. Just wait, wait. We're going to be talking about the other sections oh. of the United Kingdom here later. Oh. Not only... Could have some of these injuries probably have been avoided if they just received better treatment, <laughs> but also realized that there was a healthy chunk of those people who wouldn't even be able to receive medica- medical care in the first place. Fuck. At a different hospital in London, Charing Cross Hospital, their records show that between 1834 and 1850, they would treat... 66,000 work-related injuries, which included (laughs) 16,552 falls from scaffolds or buildings, 1,308 accidents involving steam engines, mill cogs, or cranes, 5,090 road crashes, and... 2,088 burns. Yeah, so if they had like an OSHA,
0: some of this (laughs) stuff wouldn't be happening. No. 15,000 falls from scaffoldings. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's a lot. Jesus. I suppose during the construction of the molasses Tower, that that took quite a few men.
1: (laughs) Oftentimes, these incidents involve children, such as 13-year-old Martha Appleton who had been working at a cotton spinning mill as a scavenger. Mm, Fun job. (laughs) Which meant she collected the loose material from under the machinery. Uh, Just crawling around like a little rat collecting (laughs) goddamn yarn. Well, being that she was overworked and underfed, she passed out, in her hand caught in the machine. Fuck me. All five of her fingers would have to be removed. And as a thank you from the company, she was also fired. Yeah, she her hand is broken. <laughs> oh, my God. She can't scavenge any more threads if without her fingers. You're almost better off just dying at uh, your job than just getting your limbs removed and then getting fired. Holy and we're headed shit. back there today, my yeah, friend. Yeah, that's true. Lister himself would encounter many individuals that were not necessarily injured while working, but suffered long-term side effects from working at their chosen career, such as 56 year old painter named Mr. Larcy. I think it's Mr. Larcy. That looks right. Who, who had been painting for 10 to 15 hours a day since he was a little boy. He was currently suffering from painter's colic, which was a, Chronic intestinal disorder caused by overexposure to lead. 10 to 15 hours for your whole life? You're Ooh. just
0: ingesting lead the entire time? Oh, I mean, I guess he's lucky he didn't become a serial killer, right? Serious. Mm. Or I'm sure as one of his kids did. Oh, my God. His
1: infected semen. <laughs> he also would notice a great number of people suffering from different illnesses simply due to the diet of the poor class. They often consumed large amounts of beer. Because the water was poison. Right. Ate cheap meat and consumed virtually no vegetables. Because what grows
0: on a shitty little island?
1: <laughs> Nothing. Yeah,
0: that's being rapidly industrialized yeah. and the moths are changing colors.
1: Some people would come in with sunken eyes, pale skin, and missing teeth. <sighs> a very telltale sign of scurvy. <sighs> what they didn't understand was this fra- was from the lack of vitamin C they believe scur- scurvy was from the lack of mineral salt <laughs> so lister often prescribed those patients with nitrate of potash which is just like mineral salt honestly it's literally <laughs> all it is like you know housewives right now would do excellent with treating scurvy they've got all the essential oils you right. could possibly want right but, uh, but yeah, we've came a long way. From table salt? <laughs> yeah. Joseph would also start to see the common folk suffering coming in with different types of STDs. Ooh, spirochetes a-popping, <laughs> I imagine. Later in life, he would become very skilled at identifying the pox, a.k.a. syphilis. Oh, that is a spirochete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, at the time, was an incurable disease People would get skin ulcers that left little scars on their body. Some would be affected with paralysis, blindness, dementia, and saddle nose, which was when the bridge of their nose caves in. Right, right. (laughs) What? uh, Oh, that happens in uh, the Nick. There's
0: a lady that has a saddle nose. Her nose caves in.
1: You got to watch. You got to watch the Nick. I need to. What? I wonder what it is about syphilis that, like, weakens that and it just, like, collapses. Yeah. like just attacks your cartilage, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. How horrible. But listen to this. We're going to cheer people up here in a minute. Well, I doubt it. <laughs> Their method of treatment included medication filled with mercury, which <laughs> oftentimes ended up killing them before the syphilis <laughs> could. <laughs> Ironically, syphilis was so common in London during this time that things called no-nose clubs were springing up all over the place. These were essentially a brotherhood for those suffering from uh, syphilis That did not have a nose. Sure, who
0: else could know your plight (laughs) rather than those that are suffering the same thing? You literally
1: just got like a feral ghoul club. Yeah, it's
0: like the water buffaloes for ghouls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine like your bar hopping and there's just one bar and nobody has a nose in there? Skip that one. Yeah. (laughs) Keep crawling. (laughs) Now in 1851, while Joseph was working at University College Hospital, a unique place would open called... The Crystal Palace. Oh, that's my favorite football team.
0: Hey, guess what? We're going to actually talk about the Crystal Palace, aren't we? Yes, we are. That was a real place. Did you know that? It's still standing. We're going to talk about it in a second here. Huge, huge, huge Mm. sign of an industrial boom that Uh, building was.
1: I just learned today because Jeff was watching uh, Premier League, and I was like, do you think the Crystal Palace is named after that? Yeah. bet your tits. They came from
0: Crystal Palace. <laughs> yep. It was usually it was the workers at the factory that made the first football team.
1: Yep, yep, that's exactly what I learned. Yep. Uh, it was a place built by Joseph Paxton to display all the te- technological wonders from around the world, such as raised ink, which allowed the blind to read, a, a handful of velocipedes, which was the predecessor to the bicycle. And the world's first public flushing toilet. Whoa, they need that. They need that. Whoa, that's badly. a game
0: changer, boy. <laughs> if you can take care of sewage, that's a game changer.
1: Now, Crystal Palace might have been great later on, but this during this time, uh, apparently they had like armed guards surrounding <laughs> the building to keep poor people out, mm. so it wasn't... <laughs> He's great. Like a like, hey,
0: anything yeah. called a palace should have armed guards keeping <laughs> right. the poor people out, as far as I'm concerned.
1: But by far the largest and most popular exhibit was a hydraulic press that could be operated by one person. Awesome. I, I mean, you know why that's popular. Hell yeah. <laughs> so people are falling off Hell of everything and yeah. dying. <laughs> well, all that stuff is cool. When Joseph and his father, Joseph Jackson, visited the Crystal Palace, they were most interested in The microscope exhibit, whether seeing the microscope exhibit was a reason or not, Joseph Lister started to really dive deep into studying things with his microscope. He would study things like muscle tissue from the legs of a spider, the corneal cells from the eye of a boiled lobster, Hmm. the flesh of a starfish, and even the brain of an eel. I don't know why those particular things but he, he did that. That's um, uh,
0: pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. specific, but pretty Is, awesome.
1: Okay, isn't there something really unique about a starfish because of its regenerative abilities?
0: Yeah, you can like cut cut it in half and it becomes another starfish or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: like its cells are really unique, I yeah. think, when you look at them. They're I super good at healing. Mm. He also would study the flesh from some of the patients or tumors that he had recently removed. Now, because Joseph couldn't just take photographs of everything, he would just sketch out whatever he was looking at so then he could examine it later. This is a big, big thing he would do. Like, he had paintings of things he looked under there, and then he'd use them as, like, teaching tools and whatever. So that's kind of neat. This is
0: like the uh, evolution of Da Vinci. (laughs) <laughs> kind is of. It? You is it? Yeah. Is that what like he did? He, he
1: sketched out anatomy for the first time, that picture of oh, the guy, you know? Oh, that was him. Yeah, that was him, yeah. I figured, is that why the cock so detailed? Yeah, that's <laughs> why it's a good cock, is Da Vinci? Da <laughs> Vinci cock. healthy cock. Mm-hmm, healthy cock. One of the biggest discoveries he would make during this time was if certain muscles in the body contracted voluntarily or involuntary. While today we understand certain uh, muscles operate involuntarily, back then, this was a huge debate. Lister would expand on the research done by a Swissman named Albert von (laughs) Koliker, The way Joseph was able to come to this conclusion that some muscles did, in fact, contract involuntarily was by using a freshly removed iris from a human eye and then began teasing the muscle. Wow. Like, you're fat. You're fat. You're never going to be anything. (laughs) You're a piece of shit. I don't know. He probably used that lobster claw and poked it. I don't Uh. know. I was thinking about this. Like... The prime example of this is hitting your knee, right, during a physical? Yeah. See if it swoops up? Yeah, you smash the knee Mm. and it goes, whoa. Mm. Can you imagine just believe it. you're not sure if muscles do this? Like, they had a pretty strong belief that every muscle in the body was, like, smooth or something. Not too
0: long before this, they thought that the sun rotated around the Mm. earth, so. True. It took a,
1: oh, boy, it was a slow (laughs) climb to the top, my friend. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Joseph eventually found that, obviously, the eye could contract all on its own, being that it wasn't even connected to the fucking human body. (laughs) While this wasn't the groundbreaking discovery that he will ultimately make, he is learning more and more how valuable the microscope can be for science and (laughs) medicine. It's funny that it took this long for it to not
0: just be a gentleman's toy in his study. I,
1: I mean, we'll talk about another guy who likes a microscope, but... Man, he seems to be, like, the only person who tries to use it in, like, a fucking reasonable manner. And it's the most important thing (laughs) to get a real good look at stuff, you know? As the year progressed, University College Hospital would have another outbreak of hospitalism. Right. This time, it was one of the worst of the big four, hospital gangrene. Scottish surgeon John Bell would write this about hospital gangrene outbreaks.
0: The cries of the sufferers are the same in the night as in the daytime. They are exhausted in the course of a week, and they die. Or if they survive and the ulcers continue to eat down and disjoin the muscles, the great vessels are at last exposed and eroded, and they bleed to death. Ooh. That's terrible. Uh,
1: oh, no, no, hold on. We, we, we're we going to be getting a lot worse. I know. Hold on a minute. God, I know. <laughs> I've seen the Nick. The interesting thing about the discovery of gangrene in Britain was that it was actually found by naval surgeons aboard boats. The men who were trapped out at sea oftentimes had to live in damp, confined quarters aboard the King's fleet for extended periods of time. The naval surgeons would start to notice a new weird ailment that was plaguing some of the men. There was a story of a poor seaman who developed gangrene on the tip of his penis. Uh, the treating surgeon wrote I got to
0: tell you, it must have looked like they were all turning into the Davy
1: Jones pirates. I mean, honestly. What, part of the crew, you part ha- of the ship. Dude, if you have no idea what this is and your flesh is like melting away. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. That's, that's got to be scary. That's so
0: good. All right. Well, the treating surgeon wrote... The whole length of the urethra to the bulb sloughed away. And also the scrotum, leaving the testes and spermatic vessels
1: barely covered with cellular substance. I'm gonna oh, throw up. Gross. He concluded this with... He died. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's just like so brief. Oh, yeah, he oh, died. <laughs> oh, God, his poor penis. Scottish surgeon John Bell... Believe that gangrene outbreaks were caused by a miasma in the air, and thus those infected must be moved," he said.
0: "Lay them in a schoolroom, a church, on a dung hill, or in a stable. <laughs> this hospital gangrene, no doubt, depends on the unwholesome atmosphere exciting preternatural irritability, and the treatment therefore essentially require removal from the sphere of this dele. Dilett- deleterious influence
1: <laughs> you gotta remember these old time words don't make sense sometimes deleterious i've never heard of that before okay so if you have gangrene why do you want them to throw you on a dunghill or a fuck in a stable they have to just bad. get
0: them away they're gonna die they're <laughs> fucked you just gotta write them off and put them on a poop <laughs> hill <laughs>
1: As no surprise, a man stuck with an unwavering belief system like Erickson... Fucking boomers. He also was a firm believer that hospital gangrene was caused by a poisonous gas as well. Because their heads are hard. (laughs) Only problem was that quarantining an entire ward of a hospital was difficult it would put a complete halt to anybody coming in or out of the hospital. So oftentimes, it was literally an all-hands-on-deck approach to containment, which meant even the lowest person on the totem pole had to help with isolating these people. Because Joseph had been impressing Erickson with his skills, Erickson would entrust him to oversee all those currently infected with hospital gangrene. Now, I don't know if this is a promotion... Unless he just doesn't no, want to deal No, this isn't a promotion. It. If he
0: was to be promoted, he would be head <laughs> head critter catcher or whatever it was from episode 1.
1: <laughs> uh bug, ca- bug uh, catcher, Chief bug, <laughs> catcher. <Chief> bug catcher bug <laughs> catcher
0: <laughs> No, this is not a promotion. This is a de- this is uh all hands on deck.
1: Ugh. All hands uh, on I, rotten dick is what I mean, this is. we're about to see what he does here in a second but man, this had to be just like a horror room to walk through. I can't
0: imagine. You're yeah. Seeing all this shit. It's oh. just rotting people everywhere. Yeah. That It had
1: to look like the end of the world. <laughs> Everyone has fucking plague. Now, while Lister was treating those patients who were afflicted with gangrene, he took the first step into trying to figure out a solution into trying to stop the spread of infection. Traditionally, to clean out the wound, Joseph would dose the patients with chloroform or ether mm-hmm. to render them unconscious after which he would remove the pus-filled bandages and scrape out all the diseased yeah. tissue great for one, for one reason or another joseph lister made a decision to apply mercury pernitrate to the now freshly cleaned wound <laughs> oh. the glaring problem was <sighs> that mercury pernitrate is a highly caustic and toxic substance <sighs> Now, he found out that the infection stopped spreading in most patients he did this to. <laughs> Additionally their wounds would often heal nicely. Really? I I mean you put wheel acid on a wound after you clean it, <laughs> it, it might kill the infection yeah. in there.
0: Yeah, it's gonna do a good job shocking awing all the bacteria. <laughs> but I have a feeling that's going to be a problem.
1: <laughs> In one such case, which involved a stout woman who had a large wound infested with gangrene on her forearm, oh. Joseph followed his usual process of cleaning the wound and then applying the mercury substance. But this time, instead of stopping the spread, it seemed to hasten the process <laughs> of the gangrene rotting her flesh, which eventually led to the woman's arm having to be amputated by Erickson. Now, this made it clear that mercury pernitrate proved to be unreliable, But he did notice that the woman's newly amputated arm was healing very nicely, which he attributed to the fact that he had cleaned the wounds with soap and water, which was realistically the first step in any sort of sanitizing of said wound, even if it was just simply soap and water. Uh Ah, so here we go. We're learning that soap and water might be the answer. I mean, it's not the end all be all, but... You clean the wound before surgery, maybe you don't have infection. Oh, you're not dragging poopy poopy (laughs) into into your surgery wounds. Joseph Lister would also study the gangrene infected pus from the patients he was treating with his microscope. During his research, he found himself becoming almost certain that gangrene was not caused by some sort of miasma in the air. He wrote this later. I examined
0: microscopically the slough from one of the sores, and I made a sketch of some bodies of pretty uniform size which I imagined might be the morbid substances. The idea that it was probably of parasitic nature was at that early
1: period already present in my mind. So he he's, he's shifted from the old school belief. He's like, okay, I don't think this is poison gas... When they finally figure out what this is and basically they're the ones responsible for spreading it to right. the other patients like you think they're like man we are dumb whoopsies <laughs> <laughs> Not long after the gangrene outbreak Lister would finally complete his residency with Erickson and officially become a graduate of UCL Congratulations Joey honestly you're it. the you're the future <laughs> He would win several distinction awards and gold medals for his work during his residency, which included the Longridge Prize for greatest proficiency
0: for medical honors and credible performance of duties of offices at the hospital.
1: Apparently this made a lot of his uh, schoolmates very jealous because they did not win the same amount of awards he did. Well, he's 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 the best. I mean,
0: he's the best. He He understands microscopes and knows (laughs) that gangrene's not a poison
1: gas. (laughs) I was going to say, if they all had a microscope, maybe they'd be in the same position. Mm Mm-hmm. After completing his school, he would go on to accept a position as clinical clerk for senior physician Dr. Walter H. Walsh, which was just the clinical version of a surgical dresser, which uh, he was doing for Erickson. Uh-huh. So he's just a lateral movement. Mm. Although I think that when we talk about the clinical thing, they don't operate at all. They Good. just treat patients. Out of the theater. hmm By the end of 1852, Joseph Lister would take the necessary examinations at the Royal College of Surgeons to become fully qualified to practice surgery. He would continue to work as a physician's assistant for Dr. Walsh into 1853. Now now that Joseph had graduated from college and obtained the necessary licenses to practice surgery, why did he continue to just work as a physician's assistant for Dr. Walsh? Well... Joseph Lister found himself suffering from another mental crisis which revolved around the reality that he would be solely responsible for the care of his patients and the thought of this made him doubtful in his own ability. This is why he's not a fucking sociopath <laughs> or a psychopath. Because he actually feels for he him.
0: Has, he has that
1: C- compassion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and he doesn't want to kill people. And he's, if you're not, if you're, if you're never worried about your own abilities, mm. you're you're fucked up. (laughs) And
1: that's the truth. Honestly, though, like, I'm pretty sure myself or you would probably be worrying about this constantly, which is why we're not doctors. I'm worried about doing this show every (laughs) time I come over. Yeah. So, Fuck. A professor, Sharpley, who was a microscope enthusiast known for constantly squinting and a friend of Joseph Lister due to their shared interests, Sharply knew the capabilities of Joseph Lister and noticed that he was losing sight of becoming the surgeon that he was meant to be. Yeah. Sharp- Old heads, gatekeepers, always doing this dumb shit. <laughs> Sharpley suggested that if Lister... Was to travel around Europe and see all the medical advancements they were making, perhaps. I was completely wrong. This no, guy's a beast. He, he loves microscopes and he
0: loves being a good surgeon.
1: He's he's really good. Honestly, I thought that was so funny how they're like, he never quits looking through his microscopes. So his eyes are just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like squinting constantly. Like the guy from uh, yeah. the Atlantis movie, <laughs> the Mole Man. Perhaps it would reignite his passion for becoming a surgeon. Eventually, Professor Sharpley was able to persuade Joseph to spend some time with his good friend James Sim, who is a renowned clinical surgeon at the University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh. and fourth cousin to Robert Liston. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. This that is a, th- a real nobility of surgeons here. Dude, there's a lot of nepotism. All these fuckers always seem to be related. It's the upper crust, my friend. <laughs> Sharply had a feeling that Sim would take an enthusiastic student like Joseph Lister under his wing. So in September of 1853, Joseph jumped on a train to Ardriche, Ardriche, whatever it is, or Old Smokey, headed to Edinburgh. Oh, it's a cheer- it's a train. Yeah, ah. I guess that's what they called it. I don't know. Is old Ardriche. You got to say that in uh, Scottish. You got to uh, say it's a great, great day for <laughs> motor car racing. <laughs> 54-year-old Professor James Sim was a short and stout man who generally was always wearing the same outfit, which consisted of a black long-tail coat with a stiff high collar and a checkered cravat tie. That's dope. (laughs) It seemed like they were really leaning on he never (laughs) wore a different outfit. It was always this outfit.
0: Perfect. You know the fly? You remember the fly? Yeah. Seth Brundle wears the same outfit all the time. Mm, there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. He had earned the nickname of the Napoleon of surgery due to his immense work into developing techniques that would make surgery less traumatic for his patients. How does that make him a Napoleon? I don't know. Because he's just a pioneer. I don't I know. know. Well, I he don't... was popular at the mm. time, you know. A former pupil of his said. He
0: never unnecessarily wasted a word, a drop of ink, or blood. (laughs) I like
1: that. It's pretty metal. I like that. Dr. James Sim had made a name for himself for his development of a new type of amputation at the ankle joint. Most surgeons around this time would just amputate just below the knee which left the patient with a cumbersome stump. Hmm. When Sim figured out how to amputate at the ankle joint, Hmm. it would allow the patients to have more mobility because it left them with a stump on the bottom of their foot. That's pretty good. This procedure is still, to this day, referred to as Sim's amputation. You believe that? That's
0: pretty good. Because so, you get to st- like you get to have that balance and everything. So
1: basically, the best way you can describe this is um, they cut kind of where your bones, your toast bones start coming out of your heel bone. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like a little L. Sure. Cut that. So you still have your heel bone with a stump around it. That's so. pretty fucking good job, Sim. Yeah, he uh he's good. He's. I think he might be better than uh, uh, Robert Liston as a surgeon overall. Wow. He's pretty good. Sim was also known for being a lightning fast surgeon. I think you (laughs) had to, yeah. I think you just had to be that. (laughs) Just like his fourth cousin, Robert Liston. Sim would become the first ever surgeon in Scotland to perform an amputation of the leg at the hip joint, and he did so in under a minute, but... Also, like his cousin listen. speed sometimes leads to complications. Yeah, like cutting off your assistant's <laughs> fingers and killing four people at the same time.
0: <laughs> Triple
1: kill. <laughs> when Sim first began the surgery, he started by cutting deep into the thigh bone, oh. just under the hip socket. Yeah. As he started to remove the leg, a loud crack reverberated through the operating theater, Sim found himself a little taken back by the sheer amount of blood coming from the wound, he would later say.
0: Had it not been for thorough seasoning in scene of dreadful hemorrhage, I certainly should have been startled. It seemed indeed at first sight as if the vessels which supplied so many large and crossing jets of arterial blood could never all be closed.
1: (laughs) I love that. I've been thoroughly seasoned (laughs) on dreadful hemorrhage. Fuck Awesome. (laughs) Eventually, they would get the blood under control after they successfully sutured all of the arteries and blood vessels. Sim would later call this the greatest and bloodiest operation in surgery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Honestly, though... You were watching this, right? You're you're a young Scottish man. You're watching this. I'm going, it's a great,
0: great day for surgery.
1: You just just literally hear them lifting the leg and it's just like (laughs) a crack. It's like a break in a chicken bone. You're like, oh, shit, blood uh, shooting everywhere. Have you ever seen videos of stuff where they're doing, where they have
0: to break your bones, you know?
1: Kind of.
0: Holy shit. Mm. I accidentally saw that. I definitely (laughs) threw up.
1: I bet you did. Yeah. That's a gross crack.
0: Oh my god. And they it looks like they're taking shit out on you, the doctors, but they're just breaking
1: your bones to
0: help them, you know?
1: Do you think that makes those orthopedic surgeons the best Taekwondo guys? Yeah, or like mafia
0: the... hitmen, collectors anyway, debt collectors.
1: Yeah. I can't even think of the hitman, the Iceman. What's his name? Ted Kaczynski. No, <laughs> that's the Unabomber. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski. Well, yeah, the Polish guy. Yeah. I not his fucking name. Uh, Richard, Richard K- Kalinske. K-Klinski. Kalinske, yeah. <laughs> he wish he could crack bones that good. Oh, yeah. What a sick fuck. <laughs> Although Sim and Liston had similar traits, Sim possessed one thing that Liston did not, and that was for his fearlessness when it came to his willingness to... To operate on those in need. Take for example, in 1828, a man named Robert Penman would specifically seek out James Sim looking for help. Eight years prior, Penman had developed a bony fibrous tumor on his lower jaw about the size of a hen's egg. What the fuck? <laughs> this is why I'm saying this is the part where maybe if you can find a doctor like Sim, maybe I'll help you out here with your tooth. I feels like a hen's egg down there, to be honest. At that time, Penman had found a surgeon willing to remove all of the teeth embedded in the tumor. Oh, fuck. But it didn't stop the growth of the tumor. Oh, no. The tumor had gotten so bad at this point that Penman was having extreme difficulty eating and even breathing. So the fearless Dr. Sim offered to undertake the complicated and dangerous operation. Now, once Penman was in the operating theater, he would have to remain as still as possible while Sim carefully cut into his jaw, slowly cutting away the pieces of bony tumor and sections of his lower jaw bone. After having to endure 24 minutes of excruciating pain, the tumor had been successfully removed and Penman would go on to make a full recovery. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Could you wow. sit through that? I I couldn't sit through you reading that. Ugh, you got to remember, no anesthesia at all. There was this 1928. No uh, anesthesia. They didn't even ether him. No, didn't even have it. He had to just sit there and let them hack into his fucking jaw. Ah, Ugh, I, I don't. It makes me sweat thinking about it, honestly. But as a cherry on top, several years later, Sim would run into Penman and found that not only was the scarring minimal, who was also completely concealed with a nice little beard. Aww, so you he got to grow a, a, a dashing little beard yeah, to so hide his fucking Tetris face. So he he went on to live a normal—I mean, as normal as you can have in Scotland in the 1800s. But he had a normal life. Well, so that's, that's nice. wonderful, yeah. Doctor Sim. You're a monster. I, I love you. A good monster, though. <laughs> I like Doctor Sim. Mm-hmm. He's pretty fucking mm-hmm. badass. Mm-hmm. After Lister had arrived in Edinburgh he soon learned that it was facing many of the exact same problems that London was, mass overpopulation, which caused thousands of people to have a living squalor. Mm. But Edinburgh and Scotland overall had a unique nighttime activity that was much more popular than it was in London. Dogging. And that was, I mean, yeah, that's still (laughs) popular there, I'm sure. And that was grave robbery. Oh, it's a great, great night for grave robbing. <laughs> they would refer to those who partook in grave robbing and call them body snatchers Hell or yeah. resurrectionists. Hell
0: yeah, because that's what happened to Jesus, probably. A big Jesus fan went and took his body.
1: But the, I, love, I love the resurrectionists. <laughs> that's why pretty is good. That, Why would you call them that? I don't that? know. Just call them necromancers, yeah. you know? <laughs> The entire purpose of this trade was to sell the bodies to medical places. Naturally. The problem of grave robbing had gotten so bad in Scotland that two people by the name of Burke and Hare ended up killing 16 people simply to sell their corpses. <laughs> cemeteries decided to bolster their own defenses by having their groundkeepers set up traps such as spring guns or primitive landmines. Holy shit. These gingers are wiling out here, dude.
0: Holy shit. That's fucking great. (laughs) Landmines.
1: We got to protect the corpses, boys. Some people burying their family members would have to set up iron bars over the burial site. Jesus, you got to put him in jail. (laughs) One man who found himself having to bury his young son decided to protect the grave himself by setting up basically a trip bomb that would explode if anybody dare open that coffin. So it's not even like... (laughs) <laughs> it's not even
0: about protecting his kid anymore. It's about making a point. well, because yeah. that kid's gonna blow up, too.
1: I mean, his kid will blow up, but at least people won't have that body. yeah, he's a martyr, yeah, yeah, it, I mean, his bomb is a lot more complicated. There's like wires and shit, but awesome. There's a lot of mentions of excessive amounts of gunpowder, which I'm assuming <laughs> were meant to blow up, yeah, fucking kill those gray <laughs> robbers. Burke and hair, you pieces of shit. Dude, they said people were so good, what they would do is, like, dig a little bit in front of it. They had these hooks that would kind of, like, pry open the lid. They'd drag the body out and then just shut it and put it back. Wow. Like, they were really good wow. at it. Fucking crazy. Hey, if, you, if,
0: you, if you're going to make
1: some money, get good at it. You got to do it quick, you know. Thankfully, they would figure out a way to get the grave robbing under control, When Britain passed a law making it legal to dissect the unclaimed bodies of the poor, thus eliminating the need for the body snatchers. Mm. But the sad reality was, without all these body snatchers stealing thousands of corpses over the year, Edinburgh would never have earned the reputation as the global trailblazers in surgical advancement. So
0: they are... It's a dark practice. Yeah. It's like, a dark practice. Would you rather have him practice on a dead person or an alive person? Very
1: you know? true. I mean, there was the two serial killers <laughs> there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is uh, yeah, Scott. We got to keep in mind right now as well that like Edinburgh is like the big dick in the medical world right mm. now. So this is like a great thing for him. Mm. The final prudent piece of information that Joseph Lister learned about the surgeons in Scotland was that they were almost always squabbling with each other. Uh, James Sims in particular was known to be a little hot-headed. Egomaniacs, man. (laughs) Such as when a colleague of his named James Y. Simpson handed out packets about his newly found method of controlling surgical hemorrhages he called acupressure. Upon receiving the pamphlet, Sim rushed into the operating theater, held up Simpson's pamphlet, pulled out his knife and proceeded to cut it to shreds and said, "There, gentlemen, is what acupressure is worth." <laughs> By the way, acupressure, I will talk about it more on part 3, but it's kind of it doesn't really do anything. Okay. Like he basically the premise is he's stopping bleeding from the wound without stitching it up is his oh no process. stitch it up yeah stitch it up so he I, had oh a... oh what is he just holding it
0: together and thinking well, it'll grow back together or it's something? like
1: pinching the yeah. thing together some weird way it doesn't Not, work give me it some stitches yeah. <laughs> Sim but would... at this time
0: stitches were internal stitches were the leading cause yeah. i remember that from part yeah. one yep.
1: yeah yep sim would also fight with his cousin robert liston on multiple occasions when the two worked together but with all that background out of the way Joseph Lister eventually would arrive at the Royal Infirmary and hand James Sims his introduction letter from Professor Sharpley. Lister would quickly become Sims' right-hand man, undertaking many more responsibilities than he ever had with Erickson. That (laughs) old-ass, boomer-ass Erickson. (laughs) And also, Sim allowed him to assist him in complex surgeries. Sim would eventually make up the position of super supernumerary clerk for Lister because the hospital already had a house surgeon, but the work was the exact same. It just had a different title. Huh. Kind of like, I don't know, navigating politics in the hospital here. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's
0: it's ego. It's all yeah. ego-based,
1: man. I'm the only hospital surgeon, yep. goddammit. Excuse me, I'd like to order the house surgeon. <laughs> Sim saw something special with young Joseph Lister, and Lister admired Sim's abilities in the operating theater. Sharpley was right that James Sims would help Joseph Lister reinvigorate himself in the surgical world. Joseph would later write, If the love of surgery
0: is a proof of a person's being adapted for it, then certainly I am fitted to be a surgeon, for thou canst hardly conceive what a high degree of enjoyment I am. I am from day to day experiencing in this bloody butchering and department of the healing art. <laughs> I
1: this think
0: flowery asshole. He's, he speaks so flowery.
1: Dude, uh, if you notice when you have Joseph quotes, he always uses like the, like T H E E, mm. and thou'st. Oh, man, thou canst. That's yeah, the that. word. Like, you're an asshole. He perp- they purposely do that. That's a Quaker thing to do. Oh, that, they purposely write it that way to know they're like Quakers. and thine. Yeah. They love those, like, those too. It's yeah. like it's like something for God or something. I forgot I that know. he was
0: super Quaker. Yeah. I mean, that episode one is
1: jam-packed with, <laughs> with a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Joseph also found himself becoming at peace with the fact that he would not be able to save every single patient under his care, but that did not mean he was not going to try his damnedest. Perfect a prime example of joseph having to face this reality is when he and sim would have to try to save a young man who had just been stabbed directly in the neck <sighs> a lot of uh, uh these uh UK people stabbing each other still they had to have <laughs> those
0: buckets where you put your knives over there
1: uh yeah the one of the best quotes from this was like from a paper it's like the surgeons or they're, how did they put it? Like, basically, the surgeons would be responsible if one person went to jail or if two people, or no, if one person was dead or if two people were dead. That's the thing, right?
0: One goes to the morgue and the other to jail. That's the only way a (laughs) knife fight ends. Well,
1: if the boy dies, then the boy will be dead. Or no,
0: one dies at the scene, the other dies on the way to the hospital. Uh,
1: Yeah, it it was kind of funny. Luckily for the boy, the knife had not survived had not severed the main artery, but it did cut another artery which caused the blood to begin to pool in his neck and cut off his air supply. (sighs) Once they rushed the boy into the operating theater, the spectators would have to watch in horror as the boy gurgled and choked on his own blood. Even being that Sim was a veteran surgeon, the sight was a lot to take in, and in the moment, would have to remain exceedingly steady as he cut down the length of the boy's neck, being extra careful not to cut too deep (laughs) as to sever the main artery, but still get deep enough to get to the injured artery. Sim wrote this later. Even now, I cannot,
0: without a shudder, reflect on my position when the slightest displacement of one hand must have instantaneously caused a fatal hemorrhage from the carotid carotid artery and a wrong direction of the needle by the other, to the smallest possible extent, would have given issue to an irrepressible stream from the jugular vein. (laughs) So it was just going to go off. It was going to go off like a sprinkler.
1: Yeah, if if he nicks that big one, machi it's Hachi, just machi. like a little, voca- little fun time volcano coming out of the Wow, wow we <laughs> <laughs> I forget which one I stole from Borat, either Hachi <laughs> Machi or <laughs> Wawa wow, we but either way, they both fit. The audience would watch as blood gushed and spouted from the cut on his neck, completely covering the operating table in blood. They knew they were running out of time when the boy's face started to turn ghostly white. Yeah. More blood on the outside than inside is yeah. one of the, is one of the signs of death. Oof. That had to be something to watch like these two dudes operating. They just blood a nice fountain yeah. show, Bellagio <laughs> fountain show of blood. Eventually, Sim had Lister hold the wound open so shit fuck so Sim could reach his fingers inside and get right. a hold of the cut artery and stitch it hey, up. Hey, Saya, that's
0: for you. Ooh. She said she likes touching those noodles. Really? Yeah, she said she likes holding arteries. God,
1: here's the thing. They're so wiggly, right? Like, how do you I hold know. them?
0: I don't know, man. How do you but hold I'm them green.
1: I'm green right now. I'm full <laughs> green. After a few intense minutes, the surgeons would step back from the table, having successfully sutured the artery after the audience noticed that the blood had stopped spouting, a roar of cheers and applause erupted from the audience members. Woo! That's got to be a great feeling. Yeah. The dude's not dead. You step back. Oh. You're like, oh, here
0: we go, but, boys. But he needs some blood. Post haste. Yeah. We got to put some blood in him.
1: They got, they're going to pump them up with mercury. Oh, good, right, right, right. Mercury, <laughs> Get par- some mercury Parnifulate or whatever it was called. I don't know what that shit is, but it doesn't sound like acid, that's what yeah. I'm going
0: with. Wheel acid mixed with mercury.
1: You just call it wheel acid. Like that shit that comes out of the alien's blood, That's basically. Oh, whatever. yeah. <laughs> In January of 1854, Joseph Lister would, would officially be promoted to the position of house surgeon. Oh yeah. A role in which he was already fulfilling, but this time, he would have 12 surgical dressers under his control. A full dozen. Mm. Lister's subordinates would really come to admire him because he treated them so very well. Weird. If you don't (laughs) treat him like a fucking dog, people will (laughs) like working for you. So well, in fact, he would even host dinner parties for them, and Lister would even aid them in tearing down an advertisement that was put up by a local quack doctor. Oh, they went out and did some fucking hooligan yeah. shit. Afterwards, they all burned the sign together yeah. on the hospital grounds. Dude, <laughs> these fucking cowboys are rad as hell. I mean, that was illegal to do back then. I would love if, like, a brain surgeon now in his... his people could just go burn down a essential oils clinic but they're I don't basically think that... like
0: a gang they're <laughs> yeah. like they're gonna show up at the five points and fight daniel day lewis
1: <laughs> honestly this is a where i work now they're building a dentist office across the street and there's a dentist office right underneath where i work and i was dreaming of them <laughs> digging like <laughs> trenches And, like, shooting floss at each other and, like, battling with, like, dental tools. The little squirt gun. that'd be fucking awesome, dude. Just, like, poison dart, lidocaine needles at each other. (laughs) They're just dragging their arms around. Man down, he can't feel his arms or legs. The staff would eventually start referring to Sim as the master and Lister. As the chief. Wow. That's pretty sweet. Master surgeon, chief surgeon. (laughs) Now, with all his enjoyment in the hospital, Joseph Lister did feel the need to take a little R&R time. Yeah. Such as one afternoon in 1854 when an old friend from UCL named John Beto had come to visit his pal, Joseph Lister. John decided to challenge Lister into climbing a treacherous trail that was known as Cat's Nick. Mm. Cat's Nick was a 151 foot tall Salisbury Crag that if you were to successfully climb it would give you a great view of Edinburgh. Hell yeah. Additionally. Like an aggro crag. (laughs) I what is a crag? It's just cliffs. Right? Yeah, it's a mountain it's a mountain. I wonder what Salisbury is. I only know the stake. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just covered in Salisbury. I steak think so. Sauce. That's why it's so treacherous. <laughs> it's slippery as shit, man. <laughs> Additionally, John would inform his friend that a great many persons that had climbed this particular trail before, such as novelist Sir Walter Scott, poet Robert Burns, and Charles Darwin. Wow. You got to be a big dick to climb up He's this on guy. money now. <laughs> Even though Lister was hesitant at first, he reluctantly would agree. The two men would make it about halfway up the crag before Lister finally shouted at his friend, I feel giddy. Would it not be <laughs> foolish in me to persevere today? I honestly, if anybody was like, let's say it's Halloween time, you're in a haunted house. If you just yelled this at your friend, I think that'd be amazing. I don't know what it means. You don't feel, you never feel giddy? I feel giddy. Feel oh, overly so giddy. excited. I think it's like overly excited. Maybe. I feel Nervous. Pretty and witty <laughs> and gay. Seeing that his friend Joseph was not having a good time, he agreed to turn back. And this is when problems arose. Uh Uh-oh. As John was making his way down, he accidentally ended up releasing a boulder that was headed directly towards Joseph. It's like
0: the aggro crag. That's (laughs) why you don't fuck around on crags when they're covered in Salisbury steaks. A
1: big Salisbury meatball just headed his fucking way. That's no good. (laughs) Thankfully, Joseph heard the commotion and pressed his back against the cliffside. But it wasn't far enough because the boulder smashed directly into his thigh Uh, John watches the boulder continue to fall and said it whirled down the talus below with leaps
0: and bounds and passed harmlessly through the middle of a group of children who were playing
1: hopscotch <laughs> just <laughs> He could have had like a quadruple kill there. He <laughs> had a little better aim, but holy. Oh, it would just passed harmlessly through the group playing, the children playing hopscotch. For fuck's sake, guy. Jesus oh. Christ. They would eventually make it the rest of the way down, but Joseph Lister was hurt. And John would basically have to carry him back to the hospital. Yeah, it
0: sounds like he got his leg mm. smashed between the mountain and a boulder. So it sounds like there's going to be some powdery fucking uh, femurs a li- coming up. A
1: little, it's going to hurt a little bit. Aye. When they arrived, the head matron of the hospital, Mrs. Janet Potter, who was very fond of Joseph Lister, began to yell at his friend John for his hand in this. Now, Adam, if you can pronounce the Scottish woman's accent here, congratulations. it's Dr. Pettie, Dr. Betty, (laughs) I can't we who
0: it would be? You Englishmen are ye a selfish
1: gaying about (laughs) Fusland? I have no clue that's honestly the quote how it's spelled in the book i guess it's a scottish woman who's very angry she's uh, something's about selfish and (laughs) going about fussling yeah she's basically calling the brits selfish and they have to go on their adventure yeah
0: you dragged a nice joseph lister (laughs) into your fucking troubles this is why if you
1: have two adventures of a friend be careful They'll just stay home half the yeah. time. Stay home half yeah, the time. They say no. Don't be afraid to say no. They should have just stayed home and watched Kirby enthusiasm or yeah. something. Just don't 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 oblige every whim <laughs> some asshole has. <laughs> After receiving some medical attention, they found out that no bones were broken, but his thigh was severely bruised, putting him out of commission for several weeks. All right.
0: All right. That's good. That's Not better than it bad. could be. Not
1: yeah. too bad. Towards the end of 1854, Joseph Lister's post, as being a hospital surgeon, was running his course, and he would have to try to find another job. Through the grapevine, it was brought to his attention that there was an opening at the Royal Free Hospital in London, Mm. which was a hospital that provided free care to those who could not afford it. Do you think they'd yank my tooth? Uh, If it still existed. I mean, honestly, they all have free health care, so you could go anywhere. Yeah, that's pretty good. This was just a place, I'm guessing, to help poor people. But he, me
0: Costa Rica, said I should b- get on a plane and head down there. Apparently, they have some of the Fuck best yeah. dental care in the world. Get yeah. down there
1: and let them rip that bad boy out. She was
0: like, it might be cheaper that, than getting it done there with on, the airfare look, and everything. Okay,
1: if you drove to Canada, wouldn't that be clo- easier? Well, they can't
0: just, they won't just do it for free.
1: Well, you just,
0: <laughs> you have to be a Canada
1: citizen. Maybe if you beg them. I I think I could charm him into it. I'll bring a shirt. I'll give him a shirt. There you go. Yeah. Now, as we will find out through this series, Lister desperately wants to find a place to work in London, but London never seems to want to have him back. Yeah. Both Sim and Sharpley were telling him he should probably avoid applying for said position, not because they didn't want him to advance his career, but simply because three of the veteran surgeons at Royal Free Hospital were, were creating disputes and had disintegrated their relationships because of their hospital politics. Hmm. Now, hospital politics, hmm. as you can tell, is a big problem during this time. Yeah. This, it's, uh, yeah, they're all egomaniacs. they all always fighting about something stupid. It's, it's just it's type A's, you know, they'll just fucking fight each other. Okay, we're about to get to an atom point here, okay? All right. Now, jo- Now, Lister would decide to just let his application time expire and not even apply at all, mm. but a unique and advantageous op- opportunity would open up for Joseph. While Joseph was working at Royal Infirmary, he worked alongside another fantastic surgeon, a 33-year-old man by the name of Richard James McKenzie. Now, naturally, Mackenzie would have been next in line to become the assistant surgeon to Sim, but decided to volunteer as a field surgeon during the 1854 Crimean War, Ooh. which was a war fought between the United Kingdom and Russia. Do mm-hmm. you know about this? Oh, yeah. The okay. Crimean War?
0: Definitely.
1: Sounded like a
0: bad time. <laughs> Boy. And Russia was really trying, around this time,
1: they were trying to... To flex a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While stationed at the barracks, Mackenzie came to realize that bullets and cannonball injuries weren't the worst of it. It was the rampant disease plaguing the camps. Mm. Malaria, dysentery, smallpox, and typhoid fever were the most common. Mm-hmm. During the Battle of Alma, which, mind you, was a complete bloodbath, Mackenzie would have to perform. 27 battle surgeries, which included two separate hip joint amputations in one day. God damn. Holy fuck. Do you know much about this? I swear I've heard this battle before the battle of alma yeah that's that's the most
0: famous one for sure yeah Uh, a lot of corpses i'm guessing and that that the malaria dysentery Mm. smallpox typhoid Mm. even in the civil war those were even in world war one those were huge concerns but the civil war they had something called the army cough Mm. which was every morning when when the soldiers would start to wake up you would for miles around you could hear it just coughing
1: yep okay all right shortly after that legendary battle There would be a huge outbreak of Asiatic cholera, which had a 40 to 60% mortality rate. I don't like them odds. No, it would go on to kill 18,000 soldiers over the two and a half year war. And on September 25th, 1854, it would kill Richard James Mackenzie. A very sad ending for a very promising young surgeon. A little
0: 33 year old Mm. rock star surgeon.
1: And he was killing it. Killing yeah, it he in was, army surgery. He was, uh yeah, like they talk about him. If he wouldn't have died, like I don't know if Lister would have been promoted like he's about to. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. guess it's a kind of a sad thing that he died, but you know, I guess it is what it is.
0: <clears throat> it's good in the long run, I guess, but yeah, still, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible.
1: Now, because of Joseph Lister's Quaker faith, it did not allow him to engage in violent conflicts. Otherwise, he could have very well met the same fate as McKenzie. Pacifism. Right. But Mackenzie's death did open up the possibility of Lister being promoted. Joseph Lister would approach the veteran surgeon James Sim, suggesting that he take over Mackenzie's lectures on surgery and apply to become Sims' new assistant surgeon. Brilliant. We have to keep in mind that at this point in his career, He would have been very overqualified to continue being Sim's house surgeon, but was underqualified to become his assistant surgeon. (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know what he's supposed to do at this yeah. point, but... You just... This is like the millennial thing,
0: right? Yeah. Entry-level job. We need 20 years experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: fucked. He's too over... Mm. I guess he has to do a couple years as chief bug catcher, and then he's... I,
1: whatever. Yeah. i mean going to get paid more. I grind it out, man. Uh, as we're about to learn, I don't... I don't really think he's actually been paid, like, hardly at all. Sure. This whole time. This is like a, a, a passion project. Mm. <laughs> kind of. You you had to really want to become a surgeon. That's like, insane. Like, you had to. Which is why, at first, Sim didn't feel real strongly about Lister's idea, but eventually, after he thought about it a bit, he would decide that Lister had been nothing but a faithful and intelligent protege, and why not give the kid a shot? Hell yeah. On April 22nd, 1855, Joseph was elected a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons of Scotland, which gave him a license to practice surgery in Edinburgh. Even with his promotion, his father would have to pay for his new home at 3 Rutland Street. <laughs> That's why I'm saying. Like, all the schooling, all of this, he's still not making any money. Yeah,
0: he's a made man now in the Surgeon's Cosa Nostra, and still,
1: his daddy's still got to pay for his house. (sighs) Ugh. After being elected to this newfound position, that September, he would collect his first ever fee from a patient hey. after treating a <laughs> dislocated ankle under chloroform. Nice. Things were looking up for Joseph and they were about to get even better. Holy shit, two paying customers. <laughs> I don't know how much they paid him for that. <laughs> like, how do you. Oh, God. Repopping in a dislocated ankle sounds. Painful. Uh, that's
0: not so bad. My my older brother Johnny, his kneecaps mm. used to go both mm. of them, and they would like end <laughs> up around the back of his leg when he was wrestling and stuff. You know. Yeah. And uh, they would. He he mm-hmm. got really good at it mm. where he could just grab it and spin it back around <laughs> into place. But it made me want to fucking die. Yeah, every time I, I bet I saw it, it did.
1: I, I feel like an ankle might be a little trickier. I imagine it's kind of like Kinectix. Was that connects? Yeah, connects. The, the little toys got it right jam them in there to snap them together mm. fuck yeah
0: you know what we were talking about I was talking to uh, a nice person about hmm. uh, tinker toys do you remember tinker toys I feel like I do one of them was like it had the yellow circle with all the holes in it and you you can put the sticks in there and that kind
1: of stuff I think that's what I was thinking of and some ah. of them had like the motor you could get like a ferris wheel and sure, stuff certainly yeah. yeah those things are badass mm-hmm. fuck yeah those things are awesome Being that Lister and Sim were becoming better friends, Sim would start inviting Joseph over to his exquisite home he called the Millbank House. Mm -hmm. Sim lived here with his second wife, I think a Jemima Byrne. That's definitely
0: (laughs) Jemima. That's definitely Aunt Jemima.
1: Weird ass name. Good syrup. And their three children and his two daughters from the first marriage, seven of his children from his first marriage and two from his second marriage had died from various diseases and accidents. It's so, going to happen. I was going to say, we talked about this on part one. Your survival rate's not that great. You got to shoot. <laughs> it's like batting in baseball. You gotta, yeah. You gotta. If you get 300, you're doing good. <laughs> it was while at one of Sim's small dinner parties that Joseph Lister would lay his eyes upon the most beautiful woman he had ever seen, Sim's daughter, Agnes. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: The lead singer of uh,
1: ACDC was named Agnes, I believe. Agnes Sim was a tall, slender girl who is known mostly for her plainness compared to her sister. Brutal. I don't know if that's a compliment. No, it's not. <laughs> She's most popular
0: for being so plain compared to her sister. That's terrible.
1: But Joseph found himself becoming attracted to her warm personality. He said... There is in her countenance an ever varying
0: expression that artlessly displays a peculiarly guileless, <laughs> honest, unaffected, and modest spirit. Ooh. She's I- a Quaker's wet dream, <laughs> if they were allowed to have wet dreams.
1: Honestly, she sounds really nice. I'm just going to throw I, that out there. There's no doubt there. It there's sounds like there's, an angel.
0: I doubt, and I bet by being plain, that just means that she wasn't a fucking. Dime piece like your
1: sister. (laughs) What?
0: A dime piece. Oh, I thought you said like my sister. Like like, my (laughs) sister.
1: Fuck, it's too far, man. (laughs)
0: It's not a fucking dime piece like your sister, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, no (laughs) wonder your little face lit up like
0: a candle there.
1: But pursuing Agnes came with a few problems in of itself. Firstly, it is the boss's daughter, a boss who is known to be a bit of a hothead. Mm. Eventually, most of his colleagues at work figured out what Joseph was up to and would sing a parody version of the song, Vilkins and His Dinah. Their version talked about Lister being mysteriously killed by a surgical knife after refusing to make an honest woman of Sim's daughter. <laughs> it went as follows. Uh, I wish
0: I knew how this song goes, but I'll just read it.
1: Yeah, just read it.
0: As Sim was a stalkin the hospital around, he sees Joseph Lister lying dead upon the ground, <laughs> with a sharp pointed bistery a-lying by his side, and a billet dew a-stating, 'twas by hemorrhage that he died.' <laughs> now, all you young surgeons take warning by him, and never don't by no means disobey Mr. Sim. And all young maidings what hears this sad history? Think on Joseph, Miss Sim, and the sharp-pointed (laughs) Bistory. Fantastic. That's kind of sweet. That's pretty good. I mean, if
1: you're dating the boss's daughter, you kind of deserve it. Just going to say that right Didn't
0: you say that didn't the surgeon make like a video about killing their new boss or whatever? Like a joke video? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the same thing, isn't
1: it? I, you know, morbid humor mm-hmm. right there. You know, I'd be a little scared of Mr. Sim. Uh, he's, he's short and stout, but he sounds intimidating. Uh, especially when he's your mm. goddamn mentor. You <laughs> right. sh-
0: probably shouldn't dip the quill in company ink, if you know what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> the other glaring problem was that Agnes belonged to the Episcopal Church of Scotland, yeah. and it was very obvious that she wasn't about to abandon her church to join the Quakers. Nope. Which, as no surprise, was a huge problem for her both of Joseph Lister's parents. If he was going to ask for Agnes's hand in marriage, he would have to give up his membership to the Quaker community. Now, he wouldn't be outright shunned, but he was worried that his father might not continue to financially support him. Yep. But in the end... Joseph Jackson will put away all his religious grievances and choose to let his son follow his heart. What a beast. Mm. Now, that's true love.
0: That's what you should do. Yeah. Not cut someone off because they don't believe what you believe. Let's
1: hear about what Joseph Jackson, why he might might have been the most comfortable with it. Joseph Jackson told his son he would pay for all the furniture and he would speak directly to James Sim about... Making a settlement or dowry on his daughter after they were married. Gotcha. And uh, if you can't tell, Mr. Sims quite loaded. Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. This just all makes sense. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Joseph Lister would finally propose to Agnes Sims and she would agree to marry him. They would be married the following spring on April 23rd, 1856 with a dowry payment and the funds from Joseph Jackson as a wedding gift. The young couple was able to move into a nicer home at 11 Rutland Street, which contained nine bedrooms over three floors. And that's only like eight doors down from where they used to live on (laughs) 3 Rutland Street. True. Now, this might seem excessive, but Joseph was planning on using a few of these rooms as consulting rooms for future patients. Awesome. Dual purpose there.
0: Awesome. Well Marcel Petiot did this too, but mm. he, he was pretty he was pretty mean.
1: It seemed like the private practices are kinda like the main way to make money during this time, so you kinda have to do that. You gotta work out of your home. Yeah. After life returned to normal, Joseph would continue to work as the assistant surgeon at the Royal Infirmary, even though his life was headed in a positive direction there was still the one inescapable curse of having to deal with the perpetual cycle of gangrene, erysipelas, septicemia, and pymea outbreaks. Hospitalism. Yes, basically. This really started to frustrate Joseph Lister that so many of his patients continue to die from these diseases, and nobody seemed to have an answer. It's soap and water. <laughs> so he decided to start collecting pus samples from his patients again and try to figure out the mystery with his microscope, Joseph started his research with trying to figure out inflammation. Sure. Now, most of the surgeons of the time period believed that if you could handle the inflammation, you could avoid the infection.
0: Mm. They... <laughs> well, that's a little backwards, isn't it? I think if, yeah,
1: <laughs> I think the yeah. infection causes the inflammation. <laughs> they also believed that the pus was not bad. Mm. It was actually a necessary <laughs> part of the healing process. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> At the core of the belief system was that you needed the pus, but you had to control the level of inflammation and the temperature of said inflammation. Mm. They developed new terminology for how a wound heals. First intention, which means that the wound heals sweetly, meaning minimal inflammation. Or second intention, which means the wound heals sour, which more than likely would lead to an infection. Mm. Now, even with their belief system... There was one phenomenon that nobody seemed to have an answer to. You see, they started to notice that if someone had broken a bone, but the bone did not puncture the skin, there was almost never an infection, which leads to some of them to start to believe that something from the outside must enter the wound to cause an infection. The surgeon's constant battle to control inflammation would give rise to different ways of dressing the wounds, which seems to differ depending on the doctor. One such approach was known as the occlusion method. The occlusion method revolved around covering a wound with dry dressing, such as outer membrane of a calf's intestine, (laughs) or an adhesive plaster that would not be removed. I know you make fun of it. Not till the wound's healed. Oh, a cast. (laughs) Okay. I mean, (laughs) it's a cast for like a cut, though. Oh. Like, you obviously, we know now you kind of want (laughs) the wound to bleed, to breathe sometimes. Yeah. But they were firm that you put this over a cut and do not remove it. That
0: just traps in the juices, my friend.
1: But again, this sometimes the wound would heal sweetly, but if it began to get septic, the infection would directly enter the bloodstream rapidly. Yeah, and then you get the red lines, and once it gets to your heart, you're fucking (laughs) done. This gave rise to occlusion with repeated opening, which which just meant they would occasionally open it up and clean out the wound. Robert Liston was not a fan of this method. He said, The patient
0: is kept in a state of constant excitement (laughs) and often worn out by suffering discharge and hectic fever. Yeah falls a victim to the
1: practice. Sometimes you push them a little bit too far there. Yeah. Yikes. Many were opposed to the occlusion method because they believed that the inflammation would get too hot under all of the dressing. Right. They were worried about yeah. they were worried about the hot and cold thing still. <laughs> yeah. A man like Sim preferred to stitch up the wound and leave a little Good. a little porthole for the pus to drain out. He would place a piece of lint in said porthole for four days, then change the lint every two days thereafter. He would get it off his belly button. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just like, hold on. He just makes a little popping noise. <laughs> Some surgeons like to implement water dressings or wet bandages, believing it was the best way to keep the inflammation cool, which would thus avoid infection. This actually was the best, best method for... Because it inadvertently continuously removed the pus as it formed. Problem was, not only was it expensive, but also surgeons spent their time arguing over if the wa- the water should be hot, tepid, or cold. Always, yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs>
0: <You> fucking idiots. <laughs> you fucking morons. I love how like just dumb they are oh my god they're just such like hard headed fucking men that's the problem there's your toxic masculinity (laughs) right there
1: let's fight over what temperature the water should be (laughs) you (laughs) fucking (laughs) oh But one thing all surgeons could agree on is that they had no idea why inflammation or infection started in the first place. (laughs) One thing we can agree on, we have no fucking clue what's (laughs) happening. In their minds, they couldn't seem to come to any sort of logical conclusion other than it was poisonous air or it just spontaneously formed in the wound. (laughs) You dumb fucks. (laughs) So naturally, it makes sense why Joseph was trying at first to figure out why inflammation started sure chicken and egg kind of thing cause and effect over the next three years he would study inflammation by doing scientific experiments on live frogs poor frogs which (laughs) he killed a lot (laughs) of frogs we didn't. i didn't go into it deeply but he killed a lot this is milo and otis (laughs) surgery here which included him completely removing the brain and then tampering with the frog's spinal cord to see how its veins and arteries were oh, affected.
0: that's how we got the WB frog. <laughs> that's how we got him to do the dance. I would
1: love if they had Joseph Lister dissecting that WB yeah. frog. What It'd was that amazing. frog's
0: name? Do you remember?
1: I thought it was something racist. I don't know. I mean, be. he is
0: a racist frog, <laughs> yes. That is uh, that is definitely a throwback
1: yeah. to a form of
0: entertainment that we shouldn't remember.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Now, after his vast scientific studies, he would conclude that inflammation was a normal part of the healing process and did not necessarily mean that the wound was going to become septic. Brilliant. Where he was wrong was that he believed that there was two different types of inflammation, local and central he believed inflammation was directly connected to the central nervous system. Mm. While the research wasn't perfect, it was starting to lay the groundwork for what is about to come. But before he solves that mystery, it's going to take a little bit more time. (laughs) But Joseph is about to have another opportunity for a promotion. In June of 1859, 59-year-old James Lowry Mike
0: Lowry Lowry That's from uh, Bad Boys
1: uh, Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that now Who was the Regis Professor of Clinical Surgery at the University of Glasgow Suffered a paralytic stroke that made him unable to move or speak Fuck. Although tragic, Joseph Lister believed this would be a great promotion for him as well as it would look really good when he ultimately tries to apply for a surgical position back in london which is
0: just he's still holding on to that dream isn't he he just wants to be a london surgeon so dude
1: london as well more on part three but like london just does not like him yeah it's really they they reject
0: they reject the
1: lister yeah it's really sad the one thing about this scenario that was making, making Lister somewhat hesitant to take on this position was the fact that he might have to leave the six-year partnership that he had developed with his now father-in-law, Sim. Mm. And while Sim didn't want him to go because he knew there was not another skilled enough surgeon in Edinburgh to fill his shoes, he couldn't ignore the possibility for Joseph. Yeah. So Joseph Lister would apply for this position, and he would be running against seven other highly qualified candidates. Like, I would love to see this reality show. Uh, I would love to see it. Yeah. Oh, you mean if Joseph and his stepdaughter are them applying? Joseph for it? and the seven other mm-hmm. candidates trying to get the position. So this was a uh, highly. This was kind of a big deal because they had five from Scotland and two. From England. Wild cards, those two, yeah. (laughs) They ain't getting in there. Not a chance. They're there to keep everyone else on their toes. (laughs) One of the outlying problems was when one wanted to apply for this position is that that application had to be overlooked by the Minister of the Crown... Located in London, of which he had no idea about any of the fucking candidates. Naturally, yep. Why was he in
0: charge of this? Because no you gotta flex Id- your dick when you're the British Empire, that's why.
1: They have no idea what's going on in Glasgow, dude. It's like, Jesus.
0: That's why I like local government. Hmm. That's the only thing <laughs> I like about Republicans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that would give Joseph Lister an edge was that Sim would write a very nice letter of recommendation for his son-in-law describing his character as having strict regard for accuracy, extremely correct
0: powers of observation, and a remarkably sound judgment, united to uncommon manual dexterity and a practical turn of mind. I mean, I don't really know what any of that means, but it sounds really nice. That's like the best thing you could ever (laughs) say to somebody, I think.
1: You should compliment people this way. I
0: mean, that's three things. And then he's Mm. like, then they come together to make an uncommon manual dexterity. (laughs) It's
1: brilliant. That's so nice. Also, William Sharpley, the professor and John Eric Erickson would write letters of support for Joseph. Wonderful. After Joseph Lister was offered the job, he would have to head the 40 miles to Glasgow. And he soon found that Glasgow, even though it was in the same country, was much, much different than Edinburgh. Overall, it was a lot more conservative in nature, especially in regards to its medical practices, often claiming that Edinburgh was full of progressives. Fucking liberal hippies down there in Edinburgh. (laughs) Dude, dude, they seriously are, like, so hard on the fucking progressives over there you stay over there don't 40 come miles home. away <laughs>
0: yeah. cody this island is full of fucking nonsense <laughs> england is full of fucking nonsense <laughs> especially during this time they're honestly. so close it's like they what happened they went to the other side of the hill and started talking different and thinking different i guarantee edinburgh and glasgow don't like each other right now they don't like- they fucking hate each other <laughs> It's they're it's just fucking it nutters. They're nutters. <laughs> they make fun of us for having hatred, but we have such a big place. They're so different, and they're so well, fucking close.
1: Okay, Wisconsin is less than 40 miles from here, and True. we don't like them. I hate them. Hmm. All right. They uh, would call uh, us progressives. Shifted. They would call us progressives. Hopefully, or mm. they're so
0: fucking stupid they think
1: <laughs> they're more progressive. <laughs> One telling sign of it being conservative is that during his required introduction ceremony speech, he was informed just the day before that he was going to be required to recite said speech in Latin. Whoa! <laughs> Learn a dead language, get that speech done. A language that he did not know. Nobody did. <laughs> As with anyone, this would cause a great amount of anxiety About the speech, but Joseph Lister somehow powered through the first paragraph of his speech in Latin before the principal of the university stopped him and said, you have passed the test. What a prick. That's great. That's so good. What an asshole. Mm -hmm. Once Joseph was finally initiated into his role as a teacher, he quickly discovered that much of the University of Glasgow was experiencing a huge influx of students but wasn't willing to put the money into expanding the teaching areas. So Joseph Lister would have to invest his own money in renovating his lecture theater. So along with the help of Agnes, uh, they transformed it into something the students would really come to admire not only was it turned into a presentable teaching area, it was also filled with a human skeleton and anatomical specimens, models, and several of Joseph's drawings. Yeah, he probably was trying. He's like, there's a link to my Etsy <laughs> store. <laughs> you can buy these prints. Honestly, though, like you're in class and there's just like this ominous 1800s human skeleton sitting there. Yeah. Pretty metal.
0: And shit floating in jars and stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. Pretty metal. Yeah. A short while into his new professor role, he would be elected a fellow of the Royal Society, just as his father had. Wow. Which was considered to be an extraordinary feat for someone of his age. But even though he found himself really excelling at teaching students about anatomy and surgery, he was missing a vital component in his education of his students. And that was that he wasn't demonstrating surgery on actual patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, he would apply to work at Glasgow's Royal Infirmary. While this wouldn't seem like an unrealistic request for a medical professor, the one glaring problem with trying to get a job at Glasgow's Royal Infirmary was generally it was expected that you make a large donation to the hospital board. For the privilege of being able to
0: cut people open, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess it's like becoming a partner Mm. at a law firm or something. Yeah. I don't know. (sighs)
1: I it's just That's
0: stupid. <laughs> That's really dumb. You gotta grease the hospital Ima- board in order I- to
1: imagine you are taking a, a school trip, right? Yeah. And your teacher has to grease whatever place you're visiting. Like, yeah, we the need school a lar- board. Yeah, we gotta give a large donation before you do that. But <laughs> the hospital board itself consisted of twenty five members, Whoa. of which only two were medical professionals awesome. professionals. The rest were religious officials politicians and other and other random assortment of people yeah, tony soprano for some reason <laughs> <laughs> after having his initial application rejected lister would have to plead his case to a board member named david smith who is a boot and shoemaker with zero medical knowledge well he was he's gonna be <laughs> dr shoal one day okay <laughs> david smith and the others on the board believe that the hospital was strictly to be used for treating patients and not to be used to educate
0: students.
1: (laughs) So he was turned down for a second time. The prime reason for them not allowing teaching at the hospital outside of the fact that they believe it was something only the progressives did Mm -hmm. was because Glasgow was in an even worse spot as far as poverty goes than London and Edinburgh were. One of the journalists wrote this about his visit to Glasgow. I have seen human
0: degradation in some of its worst (laughs) phases, both in England and abroad. But I can advisedly say that I did not believe until I visited the winds of Glasgow (laughs) that so large an amount of filth, crime, misery, and disease existed on one spot in any civilized country. No person of common humanity to animals would stable his horse in Glasgow. <laughs> That's
1: not a resounding review right there. It's a
0: one-star yelp there. <laughs> I think this guy didn't get seated at a restaurant, and he was pissed about the whole thing.
1: <laughs> because Glasgow had became known for its manufacturing in shipbuilding, engineering, locomotive construction, metalworking, and oil, mm. there were a lot of people at the hospital for work-related injuries. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Such as 35-year-old William Duff, who ended up severely burned after he lit a candle over a manhole at the new oil works in Keith Place. That's the dumbest. What were you thinking,
0: pal? <laughs> You—that's a manhole in an oil work. That's literally a cartoon. That right is there. a cartoon.
1: <laughs> that's happened to Wiley e. Coyote so many goddamn yeah, times. Yeah, he
0: just burns his little crispy <laughs> head or blinks his little crispy eyes at the camera. I don't know
1: if William Duff me, did me, that. Me. Maybe he did that. I, I hope know. so. Or 18-year-old Joseph Neal, who was working at a munitions factory when he placed what he thought was a tin full of tea into a fire. It was actually filled with two pounds of gunpowder. He did that on purpose. He wanted to die. There so? is no
0: way you get the tea and the gunpowder <laughs> thing confused.
1: He probably was drinking a little bit. I'm just going to go out and let me He was drinking a hair bit there. What an idiot. <laughs> so, suffice to say, R- Glasgow's Royal Infirmary was rather busy during this time, even though they had the biggest hospital in the country at the time. They had like 560 some beds, which was like shit. Los- the Edinburgh one had 150, they had 500 some. Still Jeez. wouldn't let him in there. Jesus. But after the Royal Infirmary confirmed continued to refuse to allow Joseph to treat patients, 161 of his students would sign a document pleading with Glasgow Royal Infirmary to allow Joseph Lister to treat patients there. Finally, after two years of battling with them... Cunts. In Corrupt hunts. 18- <laughs> in 1861, they would assign Joseph Lister to be in charge of some of the patients... Oh. Even still, there were some in the hospital that were very bitter about letting a progressive in their hospital wards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though Joseph will have to continue to witness hospitalism run amok at Glasgow Royal Infirmary, just like all the others, his groundbreaking discovery is just over the horizon. And I can see it. Yeah. I can see it coming. So it's going to be a light. Yeah. This is... we've. We, he basically had... Um, you know the inf- the hardcore shit and inflammation. He's like, guys, this shit is not from inflammation. It's from no. something else. Yes. So he's getting real close. He's, he's getting, getting close,
0: there. and it turns out it's not just London that hates him. No, uh, it's and yeah, it's because he's a fucking liberal <laughs> hippie Good. doctor. Because he wants to like
1: advance medicine. That's
0: the problem. <laughs> you're fucking with people's revenue yeah. streams if you do that. You if you're reinventing the game, these people then have to figure out. How to manipulate it
1: again. Oh, just wait till we start talking about him recommending the other doctors try his sanitation methods. Just wait till you hear that. You're gonna be so annoyed.
0: Uh, that's uh I I can't I can't believe that <laughs> bureaucracy has
1: slowed everything down <laughs> since the dawn of time pretty much. It's just like uh, these guys had to be egomaniacs. They're always fighting with each other. They're always arguing over everything. It's by just next insane. week you're
0: gonna have watched some of the Nick. I'm uh, gonna tell yeah. you that you have to. You have to because this just lines up so does it you just got to watch it. So it's check it out. It's probably on HBO Max. Give it a run. It is. It is. I good. saw it. I well, saw it. Well, buy it off I there do. then. Good, I good, do. Good. Fantastic. Right. Cody, another great job. I Thank fucking you. love this series. Like I said, if it's not a hit, I will have Victorian era surgery. <laughs> uh, uh, on your tooth. On my tooth. God, yes. I would do that right now. I'm mm. telling you. Uh, Freaking Kylie said get the roller skate. Or the <laughs> roller skate. Ice skate in a rock and do the the castaway thing. But, Ooh. Yeah.
1: Uh, you might have more luck just tying a stringer on it and flooring your car. Yeah. Having Ooh. someone floor your car, pull that bad boy. The, right? the
0: jackass method. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, It'll get out of there. It yeah. just, Or if it doesn't, it's, you're going to get pulled with it.
0: Was that jackass or wild boys? I can't remember. That was jackass. Okay, sure. was he did it weird. with the Lamborghini. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it came out. It came out. He's
1: lo- What if that would have pulled him and gave him road <sighs> rash everywhere? <Fuck> me. <laughs>
0: Fuck me. It just well, ripped
1: his whole jaw off. Oh, my.
0: <laughs> go- oh, my own. Either way, Cody, fantastic Thank job. Thank you. If you guys liked it, uh, let us know in a form response at the website. Go to bumblebuttpodcast.com. Fill up the form request. comes to us like an email, and we can talk to you. It's real fun. Another thing you can do is follow us on Instagram at Bumblebutt Podcast and Twitter at Bumblebutt Pod. If you love us so much, stay on the website and then uh, buy a t shirt. And then follow the link on the website to the Patreon at patreon.com bumblebuttpodcast. Donate at any level. Another great way to support us, ladies and gentlemen, is to bop that follow button on Spotify and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We didn't get any this week. I know that for no. a fact.
1: Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. Vegas Stakes lose music. Uh, All right, anything else? uh, Do we have any other pressing matters to attend
1: to? We do not. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here.
0: I'm sweating too, Mm. Cody. I just repeated everything you said. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. My name's been Adam. Thank you, Adam. And as always, have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday.